From gamers to gamers. Bounty gaming. You wanna be as good as me? Now we have CS, now we have Dota. Oh, this is really exciting. Come on, for the formal, for the game, for money. I'm not a big, big gamer, but I do play. We want you out when we start there. Try that was great. Welcome to Bounty Talk, a podcast brought to you by the fine folks at Bounty, an upcoming gaming platform. Here, we talk about all things gaming, cryptocurrency, and everything in between. Beside me, I have Jonathan with me, and we are back for another episode. Today, we're going to talk about. You almost forgot the name of our show. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's called Bounty Talk. In case that earlier cue, you didn't get that earlier cue from the earlier entry that intro that we did earlier on. Yeah. <laughs> so today, we're going to talk about the esports events that recently happened. Um, yeah, yeah. But before that, we actually have a bounty blog open up. So oh yeah. In case, yeah. In case you did not know. Bounty has a website, a website where it posts about gaming content and maybe a little bit of cryptocurrency because that's how people are actually earning money from our upcoming platform. So if you want to check out all the really nice gaming news that we have, well actually not too much news, um, it's more like features, we're talking about write-ups, like simple stuff that people like to read and share, like simple tips, like how to do be good at Dota 2. We recently wrote about the creative speakers that um, we actually got our hands on. Yeah, the latest the, ones. I mean, the, the most recent ones. The recent ones. MSI Pro Titan. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's also out there. I totally forgot about that. That just <laughs> went by such like last week. And we also talked a bit about the Dissidia game that came out to like this week at this time of recording. Dissidia mm-hmm. Final Fantasy NT. The NT stands for New Tale. Did you know that? Yeah, I was there. Yeah, you were there. You were there. So last week we went to this event where we interviewed the producer and the director. You can check out the article later on um, when you're done this show. Check it out on the Bounty blog at bounty.io/blog. Yeah. So, what questions do you want to ask me about this weekend? The first one is ESL Genting One. It's actually ESL One Genting oh, 2018. Right. Okay. Just like the last event that happened last year, it was actually it's actually a Dota 2 tournament, mm-hmm. minor event, mind you, where all the competing teams all the way from US, Europe, well, actually mostly Europe and China, all come all the way down to Malaysia just to fight to see who is the number one team in that particular minor league. So there's a lot of benefits for these teams to actually go here because when they go to this to this fight, whoever is placed in the top three or top four, top five, they get to actually earn not just a lot of money, mm-hmm. but also enough seeding points to actually be in the running for the upcoming international tournament. This big tournament happens usually around August, where it's the biggest American worldwide Dota 2 tournament that happens. So all this tournament, the Genting tournament, along with all other sanctioned tournaments will all play a major role in making people participate or even be eligible for this main big international tournament. So, what do you want to know about it? So, right now, for ESL, do you know the winners? Of course, of course. So, first place goes to a Chinese team called Newbie. Right. Second goes to last year's the international champion, Team Liquid. And uh, fourth, okay, third, fourth place went to Team Secret and Evil Geniuses. Now, here's the funny thing, Team Secret and no, actually more Evil Geniuses, 
they're renowned for being like the go-to Dota 2 team. And the fact that they actually performed pretty well last year and not so much during the international kind of speaks volumes about the team changing that's been happening here and there. Don't worry, um, I can tell you that we're going to get an actual Dota 2 expert coming in in the future because right now we are the only ones who are talking this podcast and we know just enough about Dota 2 that we can understand the landscape and report about it. In terms of going in-depth, maybe not so much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, agree, I agree. But the one big thing that actually circulated around this, apart from the Team Newbie winning like 400k, I believe it's 400 US, 400 K US. Uh, 400 US is actually the total prize pool. I think they won about 200 Yeah, it's the prize pool. Yeah, they only won about that chunk of it. Yeah, that chunk. You're right, you're right. So, yeah, I think the only other big, uh, the only other big kerfuffle that happened that we can actually talk about is ESL actually switching your streaming uh, from Twitch to mm. Facebook. See, this actually happened like just straight away on the dot on January. Like, uh, the kerfuffle, I mean of course ESL apologized for the trouble they went to because a lot of people do not actually like watching it on Facebook. They actually prefer Twitch with the icons and how easily integrated it is. ESL actually just did the switch. Um, they actually signed an exclusive broadcast rights deal with the social media giants and streamed its games on Facebook until 2019. That's like one more year left, like two more years, two more years, yes. But is there a reason why? Uh, yeah, because it was a partnership, they wanted to actually sign this. This was actually decided earlier on. Yeah, apparently Dota 2 fans aren't really fans of Facebook live streaming the actual match. And it did help that the company actually issued like DMCA notices to community streamers because they wanted to actually take the stream from the Facebook live site to stream it on their own channels. Even though Valve actually mentioned way in advance that anyone can stream it as long as you credit it back to Dota TV. That's all they asked for, but apparently the DMCA, DMCA takedown was actually issued by ESL who had the rights to stream this on Facebook, yeah, Facebook Live, even though that wasn't really the case. Mm-hmm. So they're just being a bit pricks about it, unfortunately. So yeah, it's a bit sad that something that's as public as Dota TV is actually getting this restriction. And yeah. of course, ESL didn't apologize, but while it was happening, it was a bit... I can see why people want to make noise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we're actually they're actually just streaming it on their site so that they get more views. I don't think it's more about the money making per se. I mean, we have any thoughts about this? No, I mean I'm just thinking about like how would that affect the future for ESL? Um, we know that at least through the public statement, they're not gonna do the Facebook Live thing again. Maybe they might actually do it on Twitch, maybe on both platforms. We'll see. Oh, actually, you can't if you're doing Twitch because uh, one, if you go to one, you actually have to be exclusive to that particular mm-hmm. platform. So it's more of an experiment. Um, they definitely not we won't be doing any DNCA takedowns, that's for sure. After this, I don't know what happened in management, but I didn't think ESL would actually do something like this earlier on. I don't know why they do it now of all times, especially if it's something as prominent as a nice Dota 2 event happening in Malaysia. And we all know that this won't happen anywhere else except for Malaysia and Philippines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they want to actually... Again, Dota 2 is pretty big in those two countries. Other countries, especially Singapore, maybe not so much. So a lot of people actually want to fight over there. So to have this happen in one of the major, even though it's a minor event, it's still, it still... It, it tarnishes the name a little bit, but not too much to the point where it's going to go bankrupt. Right. They have, this is only the start of the year. It's something that they have to cover it up and then maybe hopefully in the future they end up 
doing well with it in the future and like okay the next ESL event that happens no, no more restrictions we wouldn't do it on Facebook live but if you want to watch it on Twitch and someone else's, else's, else's channel sure why not like even for myself, uh, who I'm not like a pro gamer or anything, like I already know that Twitch is where the gamer community is. I'm not even sure what went through their mind, like to choose Facebook Live over Twitch. I mean, it could be like an internal issue or something. Maybe they couldn't get partnership with with like streaming on Twitch or something. Yeah. And here's the funny thing: even though this was all signed, sealed, delivered, they only their highest peak viewer count was about 50k. Compare that to when they actually do it on ESL getting or ESL or anywhere on Twitch, mm -hmm. they would have got they, they actually got it higher. Yeah, I, you would expect so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, now, here's also another conundrum here. I know Twitch is doing well in other countries, but in Southeast Asia, it's debatable. Let's yeah. just say that debatable. So I think this is why ESL wanted to do this just for the Asia side of things. Because compared to streaming a game on Facebook Live, people actually watch that more on Facebook Live. But I'm talking about just Asian, so. That's true. I mean, um, I have read that, like in China and in Korea, or they have their own streaming platform. So, yeah, that, that could be that could be like the reason. Yeah, and with all of that, I want to actually switch back to what is actually the top bands and picks according to what Reddit has mentioned. So for the top. So maybe, okay, maybe we may not know so much about Dota 2, but we know that there. You guys want to listen to it, you want to listen to the best heroes, come listen to it on Bounty Top, yo. Alright, so the top picks in that tournament are Rubik, Sand King, in order, Omni Knight, Tusk, Bane, Earth Spirit, and Tiny. Now the top bands are Tiny, Bounty Hunter, like Bounty, <laughs> Bane, Phantom Lancer, Chen, Tinker and Omni Knight. Now, I'm actually more familiar with the picks because I've seen Sand King and Rubik being used around a lot here and there. Sand King was used a lot in TI, the last year's The International. And that's all I'm going to say about that matter because I am not that familiar. But tune in next time to Bounty where we can actually invite an actual expert to talk more in detail about Dota 2. On our part, I think we should get into like Dota 2 and like all these other games. Yeah, yeah. but for now, now, yeah, yeah. But for now, I want to talk about my other favorite event that happened on that same weekend. Sure. Evo Japan. Oh man, I actually saw a bit of this going on. Like, I only saw the Street Fighter 5 portion. And if this show actually got a lot more hype for the other fighting games, you know that their main attraction, Street Fighter 5, is a lot more ball busting than usual. So, <laughs> here's the thing imagine you, you, you as an American fly all the way from the US to Japan for this EVO because EVO is known to be a US branded fighting game tournament so this is your first time they're actually branching out to do a Japan version of it so this EVO Japan actually has Street Fighter 5, Guilty Gear Xer, KOF 14, that's King of Fighters 14 uh, the latest Blaze Blue, I, I cannot tell you what the, the, the subtitle is and a lot of other arcade games that have been played like Ranma Half Heart Battle, there's Vampire Savior, there's Oh, there's so many. I, I wish I had a list in front of me right now, but there's so many arcade games in Japan being played, high top tier, but there's just too much of it. <laughs> I'm going to focus more on Street Fighter V because I actually watched that a lot more. Now, imagine you're a US player going into this. You're going to be fighting, uh, and keep in mind, Street Fighter V is a Japanese-made game. Mm -hmm. You fly down, 
you fight, you see in your brackets, your tournament brackets, out of the 200 that you have, you see all these other names, you don't know who they are, you fight them. Turns out your average salary man is basically like what five steps just below Daigo. And Daigo is the best player in the game. Yeah. You this average average salary person or whatnot, they've been trained to play street fight, fighting games since maybe when they are pre-pubescent. So their skill level is like really, really high up there compared to every other player in the country. So your average player in America or in Europe is not the same as your average player in Japan. In the fact that your average player in Japan is like higher than normal. Oh. It's insane. Like you got I even I have no idea half the names on the top 30. Um I'm, Well we can actually say this top eight lah. Like okay, sure. your top eight are Infiltration, Korean player. John Takeuchi, who I confess I don't know who he is, he sounds really new. And he's probably a mainstay in Japan, or probably American, because he was actually wearing an American jersey when he came in the plot. Oh, okay. Daigo Mehara, the one I mentioned, he's third place. I'm not surprised because, again, there are a lot of Japanese players there who could have taken him down. Thankfully, he did not. <laughs> Number four, Tokido, last year's EVO champion. And also the champion from uh, Southeast Asia Majors tournament that happened last year in Singapore. Uh, Human Bomb, really awesome Hong Kong player who plays, who's playing truly for some reason because he's actually known to be a Sakura player. Maybe it's because when Street Fighter V came out, he was playing more Chun-Li because there was no Sakura. But when Sakura was introduced in uh, Arcade Edition, I would, thought, I would think that maybe he would switch to someone new that maybe the other players may not know how to counter or attack him. But he stuck on the Chun-Li. He's used a lot of the, the V-Trigger too a lot because Arcade Edition introduced a second V-Trigger for characters to use. Uh, okay, let's go down the list. Uh, MOV or Move, Storm Kubo, kind of new, a very not so common name you hear, but I'll, I'll talk more about him later. Uh, Itabashi Zangif, a veteran. Oh, actually, I'm done already. If I'm Itabashi Zangif, I'm done. Math fail, <laughs> totally. And all the way from the top, from that point, all the way to, to 30, 70. I have no idea who the hell half these people are. I mean, I can see XYZZ Korean player. I know Singapore's hometown hero, Zian, somewhere there too. He's playing a really good Ibuki. Kazunoko's there, but Kichipamu, Rinta. I don't know who these guys are, honestly. Like, half of them here and there. Like, which shows that how, how insane this contest is. How many people are actually... How many signed up? Oh, yeah. 2,000, 3,000 plus. Whoa. Just for this one tournament. And I'll bet you about... I think two-thirds of them are all from Japan. <laughs> I think everyone else, the other half or the other one-third, all flew out from Malaysia, Singapore, Hong Kong, and America, of course, in Europe. And yeah, I do not see a single US player. I could be wrong, but I don't see a single US player. <laughs> they need to update the game. Yeah, yeah, they need to up the game, especially at EVO in America, which is happening soon. See, the reason is why, why all the killers don't show up in the US is because they kind of they, they either had no time or they kind of thought to fly off to the US to play EVO. So this is where the combination of all Japanese players gathered to play Street Fighter V. Now, I mentioned the highlight characters, um, Storm Kubo and Itabashi Sangin. Those are my MVPs personally. Because these are two players who are using the toughest characters in this meta. Filled with um, rushdown heavy offensive characters or turtles, as I like to call them. So you see, uh, you see Daigo, and you see Daigo right there. Right. He's actually using the best version of Guile in this game because Guile, 
he's a defensive character. But in Street Fighter V, where the mechanic is a bit more offense oriented, they have to give Giles some offensive moves, like his uh, B skill where he throws a sonic boom that travels really slow and requires two hits to dissipate. That already is a good move for him to push forward. So this, as well as his other offensive modes, actually make him a top-tier character in Street Fighter V. Here's a funny thing, um, Abigail and Zangief, mm -hmm. their grapplers are slow, but when they're up close with you, they are really hard to get away from. And for, uh, for Abigail, he's got this one move where you press like punch and crouch, he actually does this hand wave move. It's actually a good way to actually throw people off and also to poke people away from what they're doing. So imagine if you're here, uh, your character's here in one, like maybe a few punches away. He can actually do that to make sure that you just stay in that zone and then just jumps in or dashes in or just grabs you or just uh, do a combo where it's a medium punch along with his, uh, his one move where he does a hundred punches in your face. What's like a distraction? Uh, more like a, a keep away tool, a keep away tool. That's just one of the many game plans that Itabashi Zangir and Storm Kubo has. And to actually be placed in the top 8 in a field full of killers and high level Chun-Li, Akuma, Rashid and Ibuki players, that's actually a really good feat. But you imagine like, if it's based on like the Street Fighter V mechanics, so if, if it was like a previous version... Oh, the previous version, forget what you learned from the previous version. The Street Fighter V, you had to learn new things already. Uh. So it's like a whole new ball game. Now imagine like a, a Ferrari, a Ferrari Murcielago um, fighting against a Dodge Truck. Dodge Truck is not fast, obviously, yeah. but it's hard. Now, in a game where you have to crash into each other, mm -hmm. I think the Dodge Truck will actually survive more than the Ferrari, right? I yeah, think. yeah. The Ferrari is built, but there's only so much damage you can take until the Dodge Truck can just run over you. Mm -hmm. So, the, the Ferrari can run circles around it, but if the Dodge Truck hits you twice, the Ferrari's dead. This is the case with Abigail Zangief against characters like Rashid or Akuma. Mm -hmm. A couple of hits in the game, really. So when I see a fight with Akuma and Abigail, it's a really fun match. Uh, when Storm Kubo fought against uh, Tokido, there was actually a couple of matches where Storm Kubo basically did a V-trigger, hit him once, Akuma's half of life is gone already, half of his life is already gone with this at one touch. It's cool. Yeah, it's a, so it's a really great comeback, even though an Abigail player might be like a small quarter life, once he gets you in, he really gets you in if you didn't. I can tell that you play a lot of Street Fighter V. Yeah, a lot. A lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, I want to also talk about Infiltration. Like, he actually has not made much of an impact ever since Evo finished. He participated here and there. And because of his marriage life and work, I'm guessing he didn't participate much. Now, when he just appeared in this, wow, talk about a comeback. Like, he went on from losers and then to winners and then back here again. Now, he's actually using two characters. One is actually a pretty decent character with a good zoning tools. And the other one is actually considered low tier. Jury is actually considered low tier in this game because she's a very fanciful character with good moves. But there are other characters who can actually do, do it better and easier. Now, to have this jury being used, especially against uh, this Russian player, John Takeuchi, is poetry in motion. Now. He, with his wealth of experience, as well as know-how of his character, fighting against a young kid to, to the point where John himself was actually crying halfway in the back. No, no, he actually did. You could tell that he's got a whimpering face, in a sense, <laughs> even though he's actually serious. But the way the character portrays it is like, 
Yeah, poor kid, you know. <laughs> but you know, in this game of life, especially in a tournament where you can win big, there's no there, there there's no mercy now. Mm-hmm. I just say that, no mercy. Uh, is there anything you wanna ask about the tournament? In your own opinion, who would you choose to play if you were like participating in the Evo? Okay, I'll actually pick my own favorite character, Birdie. Um Maybe some context, uh, because I'm also a grappler character, which is why I favor characters, people who use characters like Abigail or Sangeet, or in this case, Birdie. Now, if you see in this top 18-20 list, I believe there's a guy, XYZZZ, he's a Korean player. He is he, he is arguably one of the better Birdie players out there. He knows how to zone, he knows how to footsie, he knows how to get when to get close. Unfortunately, he might be great, but there are other players who can actually get around his playstyle or, you know, bad place, bad timing, you know. Sometimes in the heat of the fight, one small move and the opponent can just capitalize on it. Mm. And like based on the top eight, who would you have not have chosen? Yeah. Oh, who I don't know who John Takeruchi is, but he wouldn't have been my first pick because I don't know who he is. <laughs> but everyone else is like familiar names. Human Bomb is really good. Uh, MOV, I've seen his name a lot of times, but not really a fan. I mean, he's a good Trinity player, but I want a more charismatic Trinity player. Um, Swan Kubo and Itabashi are totally my favorites. And Infiltration, Daigo, Tokido, I can't expect them to be in the top eight. If not, at least top 16. Mm. I'm at least happy that uh, Zien is somewhere within the top 20 or so, because he played really well. Unfortunately, I think a lot of people, after they see Saku play Ibuki, they kind of figure out how an Ibuki uh, matchup would actually turn out. So it's more or less like, see who actually chose the first punch or who can capitalize on what. Okay, last question for uh, regarding this, um, the 355, who is someone you thought would be in the top 8? But it's not currently in the top 8. Actually... Oh, you kind of like, this is the expected, you know, it's not a surprise, except for John. Uh, yeah, I guess that's, I can't answer that because um, <laughs> I, whoever I expect to be in the tournament to be in top 8 are actually all there. Ah. In fact, I actually see the Capcom Pro Tour winner rise, Menard. Uh, sorry, Meta RD. He's also one of the better birdie players in the world. So whenever I want, whenever I want to up my birdie game, I just watch these guys how they play and how they react, uh, how they do their footsies. Okay, cool, cool. And do you have any more highlights? Um, because that, do you know of any like esports events coming up right now? Like, uh, not at this point in time because I actually did not do the research. But we get, we are actually going to put out an article later on bounty.io/slash. BLOG blog. Yeah. We're gonna put all the updates of Counter-Strike tournaments as well as Dota tournaments happening on February. So check us out on the website we just mentioned. What's my oh, oh. <laughs> what, what was the website again? Yeah, um, but also the blog. What's the link for the blog? Bounty.io slash blog B-L-O-G. Alright, awesome. Yeah. That is that's like the most important. I mean even if you go to bounty.io, there's an option for you to link back yeah, to Yeah, just check the top part of the page. Yeah. yeah. Alright, um, that's all for this episode. I'm Atiyah and this is uh, Jonathan, aka Mr. Toffee. Signing off.